Phil, Jonathan. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Welcome back to another episode of Why Is This So Hard For You? I am not Roberto. I am Derek. I am Jonathan. Wow. (laughs) And I'm Jet Inferno. Yes, you are. From now on, you shall be Jet Inferno. I thought he said Jed Inferno. (laughs) (laughs) Either or. You could alternate... Satin jackets in yeah, Sean. Yeah, oh, right. Jet Inferno. Jet <laughs> Inferno. Uh, yeah. I, I, I played mandolin on White Trash Wedding. <laughs> I am Rosalinda's eyes. <laughs> uh, uh, welcome back to another episode of Why Is This So Hard For You? Why Is This So Hard For Us To Just Get To The Point? Uh, where we play songs by artists you probably know, but the songs you may or may not. So... That's our goal of this podcast, and today we've got a diverse, just looking over this list, this might, I'm going to make a, a play that this is even more diverse than the previous episode, which had the Dixie Chicks, and Level 42, and Billy Joel, Billy Joel. and Rick Astley, and Rick, and, and yes, and Rick Astley. We've made no promises that this will be a Rick Astley free zone, so you'll have to stay tuned. But I can promise you the first track is, at least, is not Rick Astley. So I'm going to start things off today uh, with something that I brought in. Let's just hit play here and we'll see where this takes us. Okay, this is... From the live album Shadows and Light, this is Joni Mitchell with Free Man in Paris. The original version of this song was included on Joni's 1974 album Court and Spark, which had her only big hit, Help Me. Um, It was released as a single and made it to number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100, the studio version of Free Man in Paris. Mm -hmm. This is not that version, obviously. This is a live version. Shadows and Light is the second live album by Joni Mitchell. It was released in September 1980 on Asylum Records, recorded in September 1979 at the uh, Santa Barbara Bowl in Santa Barbara, California. The band is, oh my goodness, is legit. Of course, Joni on electric guitar and vocals. And then we have Pat Metheny, lead guitar, Mm. Jaco Pistorius, electric bass, Don Elias on drum kit and percussion, Lyle Mays on electric piano and synthesizer, Michael Brecker, who you're hearing here, on saxophones, and then a couple of songs with the Persuasion singing background vocals on two songs. So those guys did other things other than back up Joni Mitchell. Boy, did they ever. Did they ever. Um, From Mojo Magazine's March 2019 issue, Joni said this, I wrote Free Man in Paris, in Paris for David Geffen, who was president of Asylum, Uh, taking a lot of it from things he had said. It's another thing about show business and the pressures. Geffen didn't like it at the time. He begged me to take it off the record. I think he felt uncomfortable being shown in that light. Geffen would apparently get away to Paris to get away from the demands of the record business. 
This explains the chorus. I was a free man in Paris. I felt unfettered and alive. Nobody calling me up for favors. No one's future to decide. So that's that's kind of what's going on there. Um, this is, I think, the greatest backing band ever assembled, and I will fight you on that. When you put Matheny, Jocko, Lyle, and Michael Brecker in there backing up Joni. Who is the drummer? Don Elias. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And of course, I think at this time, Don Elias was dating Joni. So, so he, another lightweight in yeah, the band. Yeah, another lightweight in the band. So um, that's what's going on with this song. I turn it over to the peanut gallery. What year was this? 1980. Recorded in 79. Okay, so Matheny's group would have been well established yes. by then. Okay. okay. Yeah, Matheny and Mays were not unknowns at that point. Right, okay. Wow, that's just... And then to get, you know, you put the Breckers or Michael Brecker in there with it. Right. And it actually earned a Grammy for Best Arrangement Accompanying Vocal. Okay, this song did? This this version? Okay, great. I, that's a tidbit I had not unearthed. Good. That's excellent. Um, so, comments on this. That's the whole album is great. There's good, great Jocko moments all over the place. There's great Matheny moments. Lyle's a little underused, but he'll pop up from time to time. And then Michael Brecker is just he's Brecker. Um, probably the best Brecker moment, other than Freeman in Paris, is Dry Cleaner from Des Moines when it's um, just Joni and. Don Elias kind of playing a swing beat and then Jocko walking, playing a walking bass line. And then Brecker just plays up about a minute and a half solo over a blues that's amazing. So. This whole album is a description of a man in a city. So you have Free Man in Paris and you have Dry Cleaner from Des Moines. From Des Moines. Yep. The whole album is that way, yeah. right? The bus driver from Syosset, New York. Yeah. The. The guy that runs the laundromat in Medicine Lodge. There that you. has the uh, video game tag team wrestling that I had a high score on in high school. Yes. I always played it right before I went to uh, play practice. Mm-hmm. The tuk-tuk driver from Phuket. <laughs> <laughs> we had so many tuk-tuks in Medicine Lodge. <laughs> yes. Yes. None of them worked, though. No. <laughs> okay. So, uh, that, I mean... Obviously, Jocko's sound is unmistakable. Right. That that's the thing that stands out to me yep. throughout that whole album. Yeah. Yeah. Joni's not your cup of tea. You know, I have made that comment in the past, and I went back and listened to this multiple times because I wanted to prove myself wrong, and I did. I love this. Really. And it turned a corner for me. Interesting note: she is performing live on the Grammys this year. Is that right? She is. She is not in good health. Yeah. And that'll be amazing if she she's, makes it. She's not in great voice. She's not in great right. voice either. And I found that, yeah, just very interesting. Folk of uh, smoking seven packs of unfiltered Pall Malls a day will do that to you, which is kind of her vice of choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll have to tune into that. Maybe she'll get, well, everybody in this band is dead except for Pat Metheny. No, Don Elias, I think, is alive. No, I think he, I think he's gone. Matheny and Joni are the only ones left. Jocko gone, Michael gone, 
and uh, Lyle May is gone. Yep. All right, moving on. I think we go to Curtis next. Is that oh, we go to Jonathan next? All right, it goes to me. All right, let's see what we got here. Let's um, let's see what we got. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, we're doing it. Oh, we start with sound effects. Okay. Is this a time bomb? <sighs> hey, can you hit snooze on your analog alarm clock? Oh! Yeah. Yeah, this is Rick Astley. Yeah. Oh, Rick Astley. Here we go. Oh, boy. Amazing. What time is it? Spin Doctors. Pocket full of kryptonite. Arguably their best album. Now. Amazing now. album. And uh, a track that um, is really interesting because this track was just an improvised jam. Is all this was. The band started playing early in the morning at a, uh, a fraternity. And... Okay. Um, they, they played a couple of parties at a fraternity, and it was actually 4.30 in the morning. They're like, hey, uh, should we play some more? And they're like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, he turned, so the lead singer turns to a guy in the band, a friend of the band, and I said, what time is it? And the guy said, 4.30. And then Eric just busted into the riff, and that was the song. Great. And that's, that's how it came up. And then off the top of, he said, off the top of his head, he said, it's not late. No, it's early. And literally, that was the birth of this song. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, I think Rick Astley didn't write Never Gonna Give You Up in the same way. Mm-mm. I'm just thinking. This album, just like... Uh, what was the album? That, oh, the Level 42, you and I had that in common. Mm-hmm. You and I totally have the Spin Doctors in yes. common. This came out when we were... Really close friends. 1991. In, yep, in college. I mean, we're not good friends at all now. We're no, just, no, I don't, I, 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 I don't despise even, you. I wish you wouldn't be on this podcast. Right. But um, this totally reminds me of that slice of time right there. Same? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if there's a way to wear the grooves off of the CD. <laughs> we did. We did. Yeah. This People who were around me at this time had to be sick of this because <laughs> it's like separate ways journey <laughs> <laughs> frontiers mark yeah thank oh. you because sound out this frontiers mark great so yeah you've got chris baron on lead vocals aaron schreckman guitar backing vocals and then mark white on bass yeah. i mean great bass player killer yeah. bass line left i want to see if i could see uh Spin Doctors tour with Primus. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say wow. this sounds like Primus <laughs> gone mainstream. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just those two bands together—that would be an amazing game. Yeah. And then Aaron Comas on drums, organ, and uh, doing some backing vocals. And um, yeah, just a fun song. I mean, you—it feels like you should be at a party. Yeah. At four thirty in the morning in a frat house. At a frat house. Yeah. And this song being followed up by Jerry was a race car driver by Primus. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's your one-two punch. Yeah, there's your one-two punch. Um, this band had the saddest 
sophomore album following in this up. I don't, I don't, maybe you have it handy how many copies of this album they sold, but they had two hits, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, interestingly enough, this princes? album initially sold 60,000 copies. Okay, but it took in, off eventually. In 91, right. Um, but you've got Two Princes. Right. That big hit. You know, huge. And then, you know, now it's currently the band's best selling album. Certified five times platinum. Okay, so eventually so they ended a up at few five more than sixty thousand copies. Yeah, yeah, five million copies. Okay, so the second album was a disaster. It was I can't remember what it was. I remember buying the second album, and I think I sold it like a week. Did you later. buy that sight unseen? Or yeah, I did. Just, well, yeah, yeah, based off of this, I thought this was gonna be great. Second Spin Doctors album, right? Um, no, not good. It was it was awful. And they just kind of never recovered after that. Mm-mm. So they were kind of a one-album wonder um, with a song that started off with clocks and an alarm. Wow, that's a that's a that's a blast from the past. This you were probably at this point in your jazz snob phase. So um, ninety-one, ninety-two. I was kind of in a not listening phase. Oh, okay. Well, music was dead to you, man. Young kids. Mm-hmm. You know, life moving along. Got and it. And I was aware of Spin Doctors because yeah. you, you couldn't help it with Two Princes. Two Princes and Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Right. Was, they were just everywhere. Yeah, they were ubiquitous. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. And so, Rich Girl. Yeah, the yeah. the unplugged version because everything was unplugged back right. then of Rich Girl. <laughs> that, that's the way it was. Do um, you still have your CD copy? Of Rich Girl? <laughs> <laughs> Pocket full of kryptonite. Unfortunately, I do not. Okay, uh, it, but I I sold it for two Alan Jackson <laughs> "Don't Rock the Jukebox" CDs, so I feel like I got a good deal. You've got a backup, but you got a main one and a spare. That's, that's right. Good. Okay, well, I have my copy of "Shadows and Light," Joni Mitchell. I have my copy of "Pocket Full of Kryptonite" somewhere up on that wall. So from back in '91, and I have no idea if I've got a copy of what Curtis is bringing. Yes, I do. I have a copy of this one, too. Okay. Over on my CD wall. So we pivot to Mr. Curtis. Let's pull this up and give it a whirl. Believe it or not, this band is The Tubes. From their 1983 album, Outside Inside. Yep. Second single from the album. But it she, didn't. She's a beauty being the first. Yes, but this one only went to number 52. Okay. So. Um, so we could talk about it. She's a Beauty was a top 10 hit. Um, this was the second album that they had David Foster as producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he brought in uh, A-list session players to supplement the band. Oh, supplement. Yes. Let's explain what that means for the kiddies at home. That means that they played most of the stuff yeah. on the album. Well, the other guys got kicked to the curb. This song was written by Maurice White. I can hear that. And Michael Snyder. Maurice White being, of course, the lead vocalist and creative inspiration behind most of Earth, Wind, and Fire. And this could have been on an Earth, Wind, and Fire album, Mm -hmm. except for lyrically, it's more in line with what the tubes are known for. The less said about that, the better. I am going to tell you what the lyrics are about. It's a song about a man who is rekindling a romance but having trouble explaining or expressing his feelings. Uh-huh. And that's all. That's it. That's what the song's about. Okay. Period. Okay. 
Maurice White also does some uncredited ad libs. Oh, okay. Through the song. I'm not really sure who the horn section was because they listed the band members on the liner notes being Fee Waybill, lead vocalist. Rick Anderson was bass, Michael Cotton synth, Prairie Prince drums, Bill Spooner guitar, Robert Roger Steen guitar, and Vince Welnick keyboards. Okay. But the other uh, players on this, of course, horns, you have Jerry Hay, Chuck Finley, Gary Grant, Gary Herbig, Bill Reichenbach, Larry Williams, and then the other notable musicians on this. First of all, I want to wait. There's a breakdown coming in here. That's my favorite part of the, uh, uh, the song. It's where the horns come in and it gets a little bit dissonant. I'm guessing this is not Rick Anderson from the tubes on bass here. Uh, I would be highly doubtful. Well, you've got that's Nathan East and David Williams. Yes. Other noted, notable musicians on the album, Patty Austin, uh-huh. Bill Champlin, Martha Davis, Nathan East, Jay Graydon, James Newton Howard, Bobby Kimball, Steve Lukather, David Page, Steve Picaro, and Freddie Washington. These are all the guys that kick the other guys to the curb. Yes. Yes. So how do you, you've got those players, how on earth do you tour this album? Um, you put on a visual show that distracts from the inability to really hit this the way the album does. That's probably it. Well said. I'm just singing the background tracks. Okay. So he comes out as his alter ego that he used in the tubes, Quay Lude. Yeah, Quay Lude. Wearing giant glasses and one foot tall platform shoes. And so. So he would do the Quay Lude? character for this I, song i don't know oh, okay. i'm just saying that's how you get by with it is yeah. you you play a character and yes. uh yeah and this was david foster's mo at the time uh, did it in chicago yes did it with the tubes the previous album the completion backward principle brought in all those ringers from toto yep. and those guys and so and i imagine just like there was with chicago because there was a lot of ill will toward foster by chicago right that they once they sobered up, yeah. Right. I bet the tubes would be the same way. Once they realized, hey, I didn't play on that song. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that guitar solo sounds like Lukather and yeah. not me. It's because you were not conscious when we recorded this. Right. So. Right. So, yeah, that's David Foster's Because way. Fee Waybill was the front guy. Yeah. He's okay with it. Right. You know. Right. The band's never sounded so good. Yeah. Even if it's not the band. I just love that song. That's a great song. I always love that song on the album. And I think it was because She's a Beauty got so much airplay. I think that's probably my favorite song on there. Okay. That one. uh, She's a Beauty might be a a candidate for Burn to a Crisp. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. It got played a lot. Yep. Well, it's that time again, boys and girls, for your favorite part of the uh, podcast where we. Take a little trip down Burn to a Crisp Lane and see what we have this week. Uh, it's Jonathan. Let her rip, man. Just go. Just do it. Oh. Hmm. Oh. I, I, yeah. Yep. Let's I still smell the sulfur. 
let let the reverb begin. Mm. Yep, the biggest F chord in Mario Speedwagon history. Yeah, this is "Keep on Loving You" from 1980, High Infidelity, Mario Speedwagon. Indeed, a concept album. Yes, it is. I have made the case, haven't I? Mm-hmm. That this is a concept album. So if you go back into Ario's history, you have Golden Country, which is <laughs> Ario's attempt at political songs. <laughs> then fast forward to 1980, you have High Infidelity, which I could write a master's thesis is a concept album. Just as much as Tales from Topographic Ocean by Yes or something like that. It's ten songs about cheating. Yeah. Infidelity. Yep. You know, something important to know. Well, I don't know that important is the right <laughs> word to use. <laughs> nothing here is important. Yeah, I'm nothing. listening. Yes. In 1981, a video of this song was the 17th played on the first day of the broadcast of MTV. Yep. It on was. August 1st. This, the advent of MTV broke ario like almost no other mm-hmm. man i believe they were the first saturday night concert oh wow um i could be i could stand to be corrected on that one but i remember this song being in constant rotation take it on the run being in constant rotation tough guys anything from this album got played big gary rich rath solo big pick slide right there yep Yep. Mm. Moment of silence for Gary Richra. Okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, here's go ahead. what I hate about this song. Wait for it. Okay. It's this word right here. Forever! This should have been on. Ah. I hate the enunciation of that. Yeah, it's a that, Kevin. more than anything is why I hate this song. Oh, it's not the fact that it was played six bajillion oh, times. Oh, I hate that too. Yeah. But the fact that they sing the word forever so it's every the ba- time they sing the song because I guess the words in it. Yep. That it, it just drives me nuts. It's so it's Kevin Cronin's handling of the R vowel. Yes. Okay. Specifically. E R vowel. Yeah, I guess I had too much choir, too much music training mm. to appreciate or not allow this to pass. Okay, so teaser, Kevin Cronin does the same thing on the other multi-played song by REO, um, Can't Fight or uh, Can't Fight This Feeling. So, it's time to bring the ship into the shore and throw away the oars forever. True. True. So, it's the same thing. So, with that song, I hate that ER vowel sound. So, I did a little research. Okay. And in my research, I, I chose a couple of songs to see, you know, what is what are other ER vowels like in popular music? Okay. Um, it doesn't even matter if you like the song or not. You may hate the song, but the vowel is in. Uh, infinitely more palatable. Okay. And so here are a couple of examples that I wanted to share with the class. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Forever Young. Alan Jackson. Hey. Hey. 
See, yeah. Daddy sang bass. Okay. So, Forever Young. Who Remind me who did that song. Can you can you remember who did that song? I, I, I'm blanking. It's on Napoleon Dynamite, I think. It was on Napoleon Dynamite. It was... It, no one did it. Okay, no one did. I think it was Alan Jackson. It's various artists. In his synth-pop phase. Right. And then he did Forever and Ever, Amen. Right. But on okay. both of those songs, the ER vowel, much better, much well-articulated. Yep. In, instead of... Right. You could have added Forever, the song by Kenny Loggins, which comes from Curtis's least favorite Kenny Loggins phase, but a song that I love. That's Steve Lukather on it. What's not to love? I actually had a list of songs that I was pulling from. I'm going to keep on loving you, Forever Young, Mm -hmm. Forever and Ever, Amen, Fame, I'm going to live forever, Uh Say a Little Prayer for Me, Forever and Ever, Forever and Forever Always, Shania Twain, Yes, Forever Your Girl, Paula Paula Abdul, One for the Kitties, Forever and Always, Taylor Swift. Okay. And then the one that will live in infamy, Forever by Kiss. Okay. And I have one that's not on that list. All right. And it'll bring this episode and tie it in, dovetailing beautifully with our previous episode, Together Forever by Rick Astley. Mm, there you have it. <laughs> so this was kind of a Rick Astley podcast. And we, we said, would, would Rick return? Well, and Rick we made no promises. That's right. Rick Rick found his way in, wormed his way in. And I feel like this has gone on forever. Yes, it has. And so with that, we bid you adieu and we'll talk to you next time. Maybe. Or maybe not. We'll just see.